Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you before we start to whoever you are listening to this. Just a word of warning, we do this podcast three times a week, but we're not always sure which day it's going to be on. So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse and listen to the latest episode is to subscribe, get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James, I'm joined by Simon Thomas, and there's only one place to start today's podcast. Wales are in a World Cup semi-final. I'll repeat that, Wales are in a World Cup semi-final. It didn't feel like it was going to be that way for a long time, did it, Si? So good you said it twice. New York, New York. Um, well, the other thing, of course, is the Warren Gatland era is not over. With about uh, six or seven minutes to go, you thought it was. Um it wasn't very easy watching today, to be honest. Like uh, it was a quite a, it was quite a sort of tense and nail biting and just not just a pretty horrible experience, really. But they won, they won, you know. And I suppose the one thing you do have to say about this Welsh team is they just do quite often tend to find a way. Somebody sent me a, a lovely little stat today: was that if you take out the uh, the summer friendlies, which is very convenient, I know, but. It, they were warm-up games. If you look at what you might call competitive matches, Wales have won 19 in a row now because they had that 14-match winning run, including the Grand Slam and the Autumn Internationals going into the summer. And they've won five in a row out in Japan. So when it comes to sort of the meaningful matches, they they dig deep, they show character. But I think everyone would agree um, that they were a little bit fortunate to come out on top today if you look at it. Emil, um, Emil, I called him Emil Entomac, going back in his days, they Romano Entomac. Um, missed two kicks at goal in the first half. Hit the post as five points, and they were just a series of brain freezes and implosions from France in the second half that opened the door for Wales. And uh, but someone you have, so you have to walk through the door, don't you? You have to find a way through it, and they did that. But I think everybody in that Welsh camp will know that they will need to move up several gears for the coming semi-final against the Springboks. That's the thing they did. They did uh, leave the door open a few times, didn't they, France? But they did a pretty good job of then sort of closing it again. And, and it it did leave us sweating until sort of the very late minutes, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, clearly when Mr. Vahemina once again handed Wales an advantage, as he did in the Six Nations, when his wild pass allowed George North to score the winning interception try that set us on the road to the Grand Slam, you thought that was a bit... Uh, a bit mad. Well, that was nothing compared to what he did after about 49 minutes today when, you know, as I said, you know, we joke about moments of madness and uh, brain freezes, but it was it was an act of thuggery, really. No, you know, he'd, he'd already conceded a penalty for gripping Aaron Wayne around the neck. And then when he released, you thought, well, at least he's easily released. Yeah, he released then to, to elbow him straight in the head. It was just extraordinary, really. And, you know, you can't get away with things like that in Test Match Rugby. There's cameras everywhere. And once Jacko Piper and his TMO looked at the incident, there was only going to be one decision. And you, like we said at the time, you thought, well, there we are now. Isn't They've not been great, but... They've got a man advantage. Um, they'll wind their way through this game now and come out on the right side. But with five minutes to go, you were questioning whether they were going to do it because they'd they'd had opportunities. They'd blown a couple. There was an overlap on one occasion. There was a series of peck and goes that led to a, you know a, a knock on with the posts in their sight. And you thought it just wasn't going to happen. But when the opportunity came right at the end, the one chance they had, this France for some unknown reason only went in with seven men 
at a defensive scrum on their own ball. Will shoved them backwards. Charles Olivon picks up under pressure. Thomas Williams strips the ball. Tipper carries on. Moriarty scores. They've taken their chance. It was the the ultimate case of playing the get out of jail card, really. Yeah, indeed it was, and um, I'm sure we'll speak about that try a little bit mm. uh, in a little bit because it, it was controversial, I suppose, in, in mm. at least one way. But talk there about how you sort of you know when the red card came, we would have expected Wales to kick on, but the the way that the game was refereed, I'm not saying that being a man down suited France, but. The way the, the the match was being refereed, it allowed them to probably lean into those factors. You know, the the breakdown was non-existent under Jaco Piper's sort of interpretation. Um, the offside line was a little bit iffy, and it just meant that whenever you know Wales could keep the possession for long periods of time in France, knew we can just put numbers in the breakdown, hmm. fly out, and they're going to play one up rugby. And while that's hard to deal with, did, Wales probably didn't deal with it as well as they should have, did they? No, they they kind of. <laughs> You almost felt like they were almost getting into a bit of panic mode because you're, you're mentally telling yourself, "Oh, you know, we should be able to do this," but it, you know, it's still ha- you have to make it happen. Still, it isn't just going to happen. And when you're sort of quite not quite in your game in in various senses, which they weren't today, and things just didn't click, and it was a bit ham-fisted, it, that falls right into the hands of the opposition. It, it was weird when you think about it, wasn't it? It's like. It's like karma or kismet, whatever the word is. Eight years on from Eden Park, the semi-final, it was deja vu all over again, but a kind of 2011 in reverse because you had the team getting red-carded, going down to 14 men and losing their point despite being the better side. Then it was Wales, now it's France. So everything comes around in sport, doesn't it? And perhaps the ghosts of 2011... The heartbreak that Wales suffered there, you know, the, the lack of misfortune they had when they really should have won the better team, it's come full circle and, and Wales have now been the ones to benefit. Because, yeah, it'll be tough for France tonight because they played well, actually. They played some, particularly in the first half, they played some really good rugby and they, they were the better side. But Wales find a way, don't they? Yeah, I always find the idea of, you know, X, Y and Z didn't deserve this that team didn't deserve this I always feel in sport you get what you get and it's less about what you deserve it's it's what you end up with and we talk about sort of getting the rub of the green maybe Wales got that a little bit with the the second try slide rule time it really is I've been sent a few graphic pictures well not graphic pictures a few a few I was weird I was sent a few freeze frames that do suggest that you know possibly Thomas Williams' strip of Charles Olivon that the ball did go forward before landing in the hands of Justin Tipperick. But as we said earlier um, on our Facebook Live show, the key to all of this is that Jacob Piper gave a try. His on-field decision was try. And therefore, once he's decided that, there has to be something really clear for making him to change that decision. It's like the old cricket um, umpire situation, isn't it, on the review. And one angle you look... It seems that the ball does loop a little bit forward into Tipperick's hands. Then, if you look at the side-on angle, it's a lot. It seems a lot more lateral. I I think probably if you did have all the kind of modern technology, spent hours looking at it, you'd find maybe the ball went a couple of millimeters forward or a centimeter forward. But there wasn't compelling, sufficiently compelling evidence. I don't think for them to disallow the try. That the TMO and the ref are there for that. They've got the equipment there. They looked at it, and that's the decision they made. 
Um, I would say again, another another super sub intervention by Thomas Williams. He's making a habit of them in this World Cup. Scored a try, set up a try against Georgia. They were that incredible acrobatic leap um, on the touchline, which we saw in the group stage. And then today, you know, not only with um, the strip of the ball, but just the dynamism and then the zip he brought to Wales when they were coming back a bit more into the game in the third quarter, the final quarter. Yeah, so he... Uh, He's been excellent. And I think a word too for the scrum. The youngsters propping at the time of that crucial uh, scrum, Reese Carey and Dylan Lewis, because they spotted that you know France were down a man and they went for it big time. Because I think the scrum before that, France had gone 8-10 and, and were quite strong at it. So it just beggars belief what they were thinking to have done it, you know, because if they'd have got out of jail then, you know, the, the doubts would have crept into Wales's mind. But... Fair play, Wales took that opportunity and that scrum ship led to the trying. It's odd, isn't it? Because it's so close to their own line. They're only ever going to clear their lines. You know, they're not going to. You're not going to go through the backs there. So it's not. If it was sort of you know in midfield or on the on the Welsh twenty-two, you think well we can take a risk, go with seven, and if we if we get a good good you know feed, good hook, and we get out the back quickly, we don't need eight. But on your own line like that, you just think eight men, yeah. and the, you know it's ten man rugby, isn't it? The ball's going to the ten, it's going off the park. It's funny, there are a lot of cliches surrounding French rugby, aren't there? They? But they feed those cliches, don't exactly. they? Because they keep having these implosions. And uh, I tell you what, I'm just trying to think, you know, if we, if we were talking about that game in reverse today and Wales had, you know, made those kind of fundamental, you know, what they, they were kind of really sort of, if you think about it, sort of self-inflicted wounds, weren't they? You know, I mean, the first Welsh try came from a spillage and the, the ball going loose. Well snapped up by Aaron Wainwright. And the missed kicks at goal. And then the the red cards and then the scrum decision. Oh, honestly, they they must be they must be in a bad place tonight, whatever time it is in Japan now. That's it, isn't it? You know, wet Wales didn't help themselves at all in this game and they made a lot of mistakes and a lot of errors, but... All those errors are sort of quite subtle things, you know. It, it's it's where they were kicking. Were they kicking out out for touch, or were they keeping the ball in field? With France, it's always just spectacular, isn't it? There is yeah. no middle ground. Either either it's brilliant as it was for the tries, or it's yeah, just complete, you know, self destruction. That's what we've seen from them in the first game in the tournament. Brilliant in the first half against Argentina, and then you know just completely lost their way in the second half, and. Again today, first half. I mean, they were they were great. I mean, uh, they're offloading game. Wales couldn't live with it, and I think you have seen that. You know, with Wales in the past, that they it's one way to unpick them because everything is so reliant on the the, 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 the speed of the attack and the one on one hits being made. But Wales are suddenly starting to look a little bit a little bit fragile in defence. I think it was twenty six missed tackles today. That takes us over a hundred for the tournament, and that's not that's not something that's over. You know, average was a five games, so it's average in twenty. You know, it's quite a lot, and it's not what we're used to from them. And they were they were they were cut a couple of times, and um, the second try, France moved it from deep, and I think it was a, I think Josh Davidi fell off the tackle on Fakatawa, um, wasn't it, the centre and. Good hands from the young halfbacks and Olivens away. You know, five five seconds after they've attacked and they they cut us well there, 
And if the third try, which they t- they scored while Moriarty was in the sin bin, again, the offload killed us. It was the offload from Penno freeing his hands. And I think that's the way Wales are, are looking slightly vulnerable against that. Um, so, yeah, it, as it, again, it, it's trouble, isn't it? We, we, we've done a few of these chats now today, and you, you do find yourself being very negative, yet Wales are in a World Cup semi-final. But in a way, perhaps that's a good thing, isn't it? That That's the kind of standard now that I think Gatlin himself will be harsh, won't he, in his review? I'm sure Edwards will be harsh yep. in his review. And they will know that they have to step up a, a lot from that performance because we then afterwards watch South Africa. And um, in the second half, they turned every screw that was there to be turned yeah, against yeah. Japan, you know, because Japan played well in the first half. Yeah, so Wales have got a, a massive physical challenge ahead of them. But going back to that um, sort of the, the defence and the missed tackles, is it disappointing that Wales didn't learn their lesson against Fiji? Because we saw a pretty similar sort of game against them in the fact that Wales, a lot of Wales's problems stem with them kicking loose. Mm-hmm. And then you invite in the likes of France and Fiji to sort of attack you on transition ball. And that's where most of these missed tackles are happening. It's on transition ball or first or second phase. When Wales go into the, the, the deeper phases against the likes of Fiji and France... They look comfortable. Like today, once France sort of got beyond that initial sort of chaotic first few phases, Wales looked comfortable because Gareth Davis was flying out the line, shutting down options. It's just that they're inviting teams to sort of yeah. have a free hit of you. When it's slow. Because it's the way that Wales play. They like to keep the ball on the park and back their fitness. Yeah, when it's slow phase ball, you, you feel comfortable with Wales and they'll put their body on the line on their own whitewash time and again. They'll come flying up. What is the worry is when there's suddenly a bit of open space, there's green field out there, and there's long passes. Remember, like the England try a couple of years yeah. ago, the two long passes exposed Wales. When there's a big open field, you do worry a little bit because maybe in the centre, um, there's not a huge amount of pace into the Welsh midfield. Um, and they can, you do feel a little bit anxious when ball, when teams spread the ball in space against Wales, which is why, actually, I, I feel slightly more optimistic about what lies ahead with South Africa. Having watched that way they played against Japan, when I guess that is the template of the South African way going back 50 years, it was just brutal in that second half. They ratcheted up the power in the scrum, really did a job in the Japanese there because they've got, you know, four top props who they can rotate. And just when you're creaking a bit, you know, the beast goes off and Kitsoff comes on and Malheb goes off and then Vincent Koch comes on. And, you know, that's power, real power. And they've got, they had six forwards on the bench today and they could bring two massive second rows on. Um, and the power they impacted in that second half. It was only 5-3 at halftime. And Japan yeah. had played well and had 60% ball. But... South Africa were brutal and it was the scrum after scrum power after power and then there was probably the sort of the, the most awesome in an old fashioned grunting way the most awesome thing was the 30 metre driving more they did off a liner and Japan had no answer to it and a try came from that with um, Mark and Marks bursting away and giving the scoring pass to Declerc and that was the end of the game and they were just they were just physically outpowered but I, I feel almost more comfortable with Wales's ability to deal with that physicality. Because if you look in recent times against South Africa, yes, it's not been the Springbok side of the current day, because they're currently rugby championship holders. And when Wales have played them in the autumn, 
Um, in recent years, they, they've quite often been depleted, not quite the force they were. They've got a, you know, a good coach now, South Africa. But the, the template's the same, the physical challenge they lay down. And I think Wales will be comfortable dealing with that. Clearly, there is the individual talent of Cold Bay to consider, and Willie LaRue you know, is, is a quality fullback as well. So there'll be challenges elsewhere. Diolande is a strong centre, but a lot of it will be power-based. And I think Wales will be more comfortable with that. But I do think... You know, it would be a big asset if they can get Jonathan Davis back just for that familiarity in terms of the defensive system because he's so important to that in an organisational sense at 13. And we we have to wait on that. We hear the next 48 hours are going to be important. You, you do worry if his knee is swollen up. And he's tried to come through his knee. We've seen him training. Yeah. But clearly, when push came to shove, he wasn't quite ready. I mean, we, it would be fascinating to know what was going on behind the scenes in terms of how 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 hopeful were they? Because they named him. And we kind of expected him to be named. And it might happen again this week. He might be named on Friday again. But, yeah, it, it's... Um, I think defensively as well, having lost Josh Navidi, I mean, I know Josh fell off the one tackle today, but he's been really important for Wales as a tackler and as a carrier as well. And you do worry a little bit. You know, he, he felt that hamstring. He tried to carry on and did look like it had popped or tweaked or strains or something. You don't tend to come back for a week in that, you know. And if he's if they decide his tournament's over, very interesting to see what they do. If they maybe would bring... Because they've got quite a bit of strength and depth in the back row. Do they maybe look to bring someone like Scott Williams over? Potentially. Because um, you don't have to be... You're not exactly, tied, not you're not tied, tied to be like for like. And, yeah. and Wales do have sort of depth in the back row. They've got Aaron Shingler and James Davis yeah. there. So there's no concerns there. Um, they could do that. I, yeah. You'd still expect if John... You know, if, you'd hope John Davis is fit for next week. Um Owen Watkin is a very good one-on-one defender, he as, did okay. as, we, as we've seen. But, he did okay today, but Owen. J- John Davis just has such a sort of specific role in that defensive line. Yeah. Effectively, Wales defend very narrow through to 12. And then John Davis has a very big channel to cover himself because yeah. they back him. Well, he's a defensive that. captain. Exactly. You, you know, you, you, you don't lose your leader in anything, do you? Yeah, so it's... it's I think when you sort of lose him, then as, a, as an outside centre, whoever comes in say Owen Watkins you can tend to say want to defend a bit wider and to sort of hold that width and that's maybe when you start to see the pace and the gaps around Hadley Parks exposed yeah. and you wonder as well whether they may even now consider tinkering with things because in terms of Halfpenny starting at fullback and Liam, Liam Williams moving onto the wing because again I mean George North didn't have a lot of opportunities again today and isn't really managing at the moment to impact upon games and Halfpenny is obviously such a strong defensive player in terms of his tackling and you know, positioning for his tackling as much as anything and the way he shepherds and controls that backspace area probably wouldn't happen but I'm just wondering if they're looking to try and tighten that defence up especially if Saifa are going to play a bit of a kicking him I don't know it's um, I don't think the side is as nailed down in that area as it perhaps maybe thought it would no, be at this stage No it was another another frustrating game for George North wasn't it I think he I think he tried to get involved more. We saw him do a came few... Came into midfield a couple of times. He came into midfield, um, which didn't always sort of work out as that well for him because he was, he was running into sort of heavy traffic there. He uh, tried picking and going a few times from rocks, but... I, I we, didn't, think... we didn't really see that many backs moves from Wales. No, it was. It was very one-up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think... You'd hope that come next week against South Africa. I mean, I think particularly off set piece bowling and stuff, we've done okay on that in the past. And 
if you think back to the game in November, it was quite a direct route in in, in fairness, especially with, with the way Ellis Jenkins played. But and interesting whether you know because we did attack South Africa the breakdown back in November. Ellis in a fine game in that area. Um, but I mean, I'm guessing now that um, Navidi probably won't be involved in that. So that you've got his work at the, the breakdown in terms of his spoiling and his clearing out and his contesting is so important for Wales. So it does put a bit of stress on there. And I always think Justin Tipperick looks better with, with Navidi alongside him. But hey, this is tournament rugby. Yep. You lose players and you just have to get on as best you can. Who knows wins are changing the culture of gambling by making it social. They removed the bookies from the equation and now you can bet on sports against your mates. It's a great way to rake in the cash from your friends and have a bit of banter along the way in the chat section. No odds, no bookmakers. This is all about the prediction on sporting events. The more you know, the more you win. Download the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For more information, visit their website at www.whoknowswins.com. The home of social betting. Let's have a look at the other side of the draw. Uh, we know who that semi-final is going to be now. It's England against New Zealand. Um, we'll be playing one of those teams regardless, whether that's in a uh, mm. a final or a third, fourth playoff. Hopefully it's the former, but um, it's looking pretty daunting on that side of the draw, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, Saturday and Sunday were, were different, different occasions, weren't they? The level of rugby played by England and New Zealand and the level of rugby played today you know, there was uh, a sharp contrast um, England really took control against Australia in the third quarter and pulled away comfortably in the end a defeat which has seen Michael Chaka obviously announced that he's standing down as Australian coach no great surprise there Eddie Jones came out in the battle of those two Aussie coaches and then he, it was just from New Zealand I saw Sean Fitzpatrick um, on the commentary on ITV saying he thought it was the best performance by the All Blacks in the four years since they won the last World Cup. I haven't seen every game, but it certainly was an immense yeah. display. I mean, I think they were helped by Ireland being error-strewn. I mean, it wasn't... I I think I remember Joe Schmidt, who obviously was his last game, he said they'd been flat all year, and I think that's about right. Really, they, they haven't really clicked at all, and uh, they, they sort of um, compounded the situation. But... You, New Zealand were just awesome and players like perhaps don't get the credit that they maybe deserve like Jack Goodyear in the centre just everything he did was so polished you know and you, you understand when you see him play like that why Sonny Bill Williams has to be restricted yeah. to a place on the bench and the Kieran. set piece was good and I thought Kieran Reid a lot of people he? thought after his it was a back problem wasn't it I think he had back surgery yeah they'd written him off people, people, he'd been written off but he was just immense I mean he's carrying and he's got he's one of these people who's got that ability to his leg drive takes him through the first point of contact he'll make a couple of yards and that's great enough but then he still manages to get offload that ball as well he was excellent Adi Surveyor they switch it round so he comes off the back of the scrum on attacking Barquala and he's so explosive he was brilliant and I, I thought that um, Ritalik you know considering how little rugby he's had I think it was such strength they could bring some like Dane Cones off the bench you know and uh, but Richie Moanga as well a lot of talk about was it the right decision to move Barrett, Bowden Barrett to fullback, best fly half in the world for the last four years? Well, it's working because he's still there as a huge decision maker. 
gets his hands on the ball probably more than any fullback has in modern rugby. And then you've got Moanga, who's a, I I must admit I wasn't aware just how polished a performer this boy is. I've seen a bit of him in the past, but you watch him play. His distribution skills, his kicking skills, his passing, his running. He's just a really, really good player. And the two of them together, it's hard enough if you just had one of them to deal with. Yeah. So, I mean, I think England will give him a good game because England will, will, will hold on to possession better than Ireland did and will stress New Zealand at times. But I watched that and I thought, I picked them at the start to win the whole thing and I ain't changing my mind. Those All Blacks are very special. I've got them in the sweepstakes, so I'll, I'll take that. Yes, we have as well. Yeah. Um, who would we rather face in, in a final? I mean, it's it, it's probably fairly obvious. You no, know, I'd but... rather face New Zealand. Cause yeah. I just, I'd rather, because um, I think the way those two are playing and the way we're playing, I, I, I don't really see us beating either of them. I think we probably, psychologically, if we got to a final against England, Gatland is a way of beating them. But I would really love more than anything for Gatland's final game in charge for Wales to be a World Cup final against New Zealand. I mean, how perfect, you know, how perfect symmetry is that, you know, a man who one day might want to coach the All Blacks, how perfect would opportunity would be for him. And it'd be great, you know, because a large part of me thinks that Wales should have had that in 2011 when they were probably playing better rugby than they are now in yeah. that tournament. A young, vibrant side there. The thing is, Wales haven't really clicked in this tournament at all, really. But then they've got something that the 2011 team didn't have, which is just that they got they, they know how to win. They games. know how to win. They've got big game performers yeah. who get them out of situations, and they've got depth now as well. Yeah. Um, what's, what's interesting is, like you, you know, a bit like 2011, it, it's unexpected people who are really coming to the fore in this Wales team. Definitely. I mean, Aaron Wainwright, two years ago, he just about started for the Dragons, his first game of rugby virtually in October time, two years ago, an extraordinary story. And he's now really a contender for one of the players of the tournament. He's been immense. And again today, great opportunism and showed a quick years, the way he galloped to the way to the line after picked up that loose ball and just his graft, his carrying, his tackling and, you know, he's a nuisance to opposition teams and, and that nuisance factor got the better of Mr. Vahamina when, when, when Aaron was in, in the ruck, in the mall, you know, contesting causing problems, but also Jake Ball. We massive said, game. Massive game from Jake Ball, 11 carries, 14 tackles, big work in the mall time and in the, in the ruck, hitting the rucks as well and um, he would have been third choice to partner Adam and Jones going into the summer behind Corey Allen and Adam Beard who were the, the start who shared the role in the Six Nations and in Autumn before that but injuries to both those people you know fitness issues to both those people has opened the door he's barged that door down I wouldn't like to play against Jake Ball he's all elbows and beard and he comes at you and it probably hurts when you try and tackle him an awful lot and uh, he's He's one of those players who just keeps on coming. He, he's not making huge yards. He probably didn't make more than a yard or so of each carry or two yards, you know. But he's always getting you that little bit. Front. And he's he's such a go-to man. That was a guy. And yeah. it's something Wales have lacked ball carrying. You know, with Falatau not there. Now we've lost Navidi as well, who's an explosive carrier. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, he had a really big game today. I think mentioned as well for Ken Owens, 19 tackles. That's some shift, that is. We'll, 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 we'll forgive him his rather <laughs> unusual pass at the end of the first half and say that he knew it was advantage being played. Surprised he didn't go for the cross kick. Oh, God. <laughs> Tipperick again. Uh, you know, I thought it a, game, yeah. he had a big game as well. Absolutely crucial, a defensive turnover, turnover yeah. before the first half time. Uh, a couple of um, 
good lines he made in carries and obviously you know the, he was there to snap that loose ball after Thomas Williams ripped it to go through but Thomas Williams as well you know as I said he's made so many good interventions in this tournament yeah. you know that I can't get over that still that acrobatic leap against Australia is one of my highlights of the thing and uh, when it when that's the thing isn't it unusual players who perhaps you weren't seeing as pivotal to the tournament they're the ones who've come through now and um, they're in a semi-final and uh, I think in a way it'll suit them a bit better this week because everyone thought they were favourites against France Yeah, everyone was getting a little bit carried away it won't be that case against South Africa South Africa will be seen as the favourites and I think that'll suit Wales exactly everyone was everyone was nervous before this game for the lack of nerves that won't yeah. be the case. No, it won't be a shot to nothing. No shot to nothing because they've beaten them quite recent years. But we'll go in and it'll just be like, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see whether the stadium's open, won't it? Semi-final, eight years yeah. on to the last time. Oh, Sunday morning, what would the WRU do? Will it be worth it? But I think what you can certainly say is like that people will sort of, as the semi-final comes around, semi-finals in World Cups, they ain't happen too often for Wales. 1987, you had a semi-final you had a semi-final in 2011. We're in a World Cup semi-final. Come Sunday, there's only going to be three teams left in the World Cup and Wales are going to be one of them. Whatever, whatever happens this Sunday, Warren Gatland's been to three World Cup with Wales and he's reached two semi-finals. Yeah. Like and I, I, still, I still hope, I, I really do hope, that you know the best may yet be to come from Wales. You have seen this in the occasions in the past, you know. Well, if you look at the, the Grand Slam game this year, you know, it's just an immense, like, coordinated performance and Wales have got it in them to to play at a higher level it'll have to be quite a few levels higher to yeah. beat South Africa I think the big games bring out some it's, it's like a calmness isn't it like that yeah. Australia game they came out they, they'll know the they know what they're up against South Africa absolutely whether they can do it time will tell I guess indeed it's going to be an exciting week and we'll be bringing you every step of it Next Sunday, that's the big date. Wales against South Africa in a World Cup semi-final, but we'll be back for more podcasts in between now and then, but you can catch all the latest news, as always, on Wales Online.